really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Hey, thanks for being here with me today. I'm continuing my series on what the ego needs to learn. And today we're on lesson number four, which is you are not in control. So I'll do a quick recap of the previous three lessons and explain where they came from. But if you haven't listened to them, you may want to go back to the previous three episodes and take a listen to those other lessons before you finish listening to this recording. So these lessons are five things the ego needs to learn, which I have borrowed from Father Richard Rohr. These are lessons he says he taught many years ago at a men's retreat and lessons that are designed to confront the ego with some of the truths, the spiritual truths of life that the ego really doesn't want to recognize. So the very first truth we looked at a few episodes ago was that life is hard. And uh, you can hear all about that, but that's something we have to accept at the outset. Life is hard. The ego doesn't like it, but that is reality. The second lesson we looked at is you're not that important. And again, this is a message for the ego to learn and something the ego needs to master. And the third lesson that we talked about last week is your life is not about you. And I talked all about my own struggles with just saying that or hearing that particular lesson, but that's obviously a challenging one for the ego. So now we're up to number four, as I said, which is you are not in control. This is also huge for the ego because If there's anything our egos strive for and work for, it is to be in control of everything possible. The ego believes it can be in control and should be in control of what happens in life. So the ego will spend a lot of time and energy trying to control situations around us, trying to control other people, trying to control our own behavior. And in hopes of orchestrating life to make life turn out the way the ego wants it to, to make life more advantageous for the ego, but for us in general, because the ego is all about our survival here in the world and feels that controlling everything is the very best way to survive, to make sure there's nothing threatening around us, to make sure nothing ever interferes with this path that we're on. But the problem is trying to control everything doesn't actually get us very far. It actually ends up leading us into a lot of frustration and disappointment. And so it's one of the hardest things the ego needs to learn, but it's an important key to humility because overall, we've talked about this before, the goal of spiritual practice and study is to help the ego surrender to higher guidance, the higher self and higher wisdom, to get the ego to stop trying to control things and to be an ally and a partner with the higher self, but to follow the guidance of the higher self. And oftentimes the ego and the higher self are at odds. 
we begin with a strong ego for most of us when we start out on our spiritual paths. And it takes a lot of work to open up to understand and examine our ego and all of its shadow elements. And then to, I guess you could call it, train the ego and teach the ego how to be in surrender to higher self. So this lesson, you are not in control for the ego, is really all about surrender, learning how to surrender. And that correlates with lesson number six of the seven lessons from the dying that I talked about earlier um, several months ago in this podcast. If you think about it, we hear very mixed messages about the idea of surrender in our society because on the one hand, to surrender is seen as something very negative, to give up, to just stop trying, to not care anymore, and that behavior is looked down upon. We value people who stay in there for the long haul, who are persistent and persevere, who keep fighting, and there are lots of slogans in our society like never give up the fight, never stop trying, and there are a lot of stirring messages about that to keep us going, and even in the medical profession where I've been trained, there are so many messages about we, we will never give in to illness. We will never stop trying to kill a disease or cancer. And we will never stop trying to cure what is wrong with another person. We'll never stop trying. We will never surrender. So we definitely have a negative impression on the one hand of what it means to surrender. There's a negative definition around that word surrender. And as I said before, it's often considered giving up, not trying, being apathetic, not doing your best, not doing something you could do to possibly make things better. So that's the negative aspect of surrender. And yet, spiritually, particularly Eastern religions, um, have taught us for centuries that surrender is the key to spiritual growth, being able to let go, and particularly being able to surrender the ego is essential in order for us to grow spiritually. But we're hearing these messages on the one hand from spiritual teachers, but the opposite message from motivational speakers, from politicians and leaders in our society that we should never surrender. So it's important for us to wrap our heads around this that we probably actually have mixed messages going on inside ourselves about the word surrender and the very idea of surrendering. So let's talk about it here as a way to find some clarity so that we for ourselves can figure out how to proceed and maybe it turns out that surrender isn't the best word to use, particularly if it's an emotionally loaded word for you, if it triggers a lot of negative feelings, surrender might not be the right word to use. So think about that. Maybe you'd rather just call it letting go. And Thich Nhat Hanh writes that Buddhism teaches that joy and happiness arise from letting go. So definitely a higher spiritual principle for us to be aware of. But I wanted to read you a quote from Brian Eno, the musician, to consider here because I think this will help us with these mixed messages about surrender. And Brian Eno has said, control and surrender have to be kept in balance. That's what surfers do. 
Take control of the situation, then be carried, then take control. He says, in the last few thousand years, we've become incredibly adept technically. We've treasured the controlling part of ourselves and neglected the surrendering part. So a really wise statement and a metaphor that I love to use when we talk about surrender, which is that of surfing, because it's a perfect example of the fact that in order to successfully stay on top of a surfboard, you have to surrender to the flow of the ocean waves. You cannot try to control the waves. You have to give up control. You have to focus on balance and staying on top of the board, but you have to allow yourself to be carried by the waves, fighting the waves, trying to make the waves go a different direction or trying to project yourself against the waves in a different direction can also lead to you falling off the board and not being successful in surfing. However, you also can't be apathetic about surfing. You can't give up all control because then you wouldn't even try to stand up on your board. Then you might not even paddle out into the ocean. Then you might sit and do nothing. Or even if you did stand up on the board, you might just immediately let yourself fall rather than working toward finding balance. And so I think it's important for us to remember that we have to find the balance and that we actually do need both control and surrender. We need to be able to engage with the world in order to be successful. And that's what we need our ego for. We need an ego that's not trying to control everything and resist everything, but an ego that's willing to engage with strength in the world. An ego that's willing to paddle out on the surfboard and see what it's like out there and give it a go. And willing to try over and over again, even if we fall. But at the same time, an ego that knows where its control stops, that knows what it doesn't have control over. So an ego that has learned, I can't change the ocean, I can't change the waves, I can't make the waves go the way I want them to, I have to conform to the waves and move with the waves. And a similar analogy is uh, viewing the flow of life as the flow of a river downstream. If you were floating on a log downstream, the safest thing for you to do is to allow yourself to be carried downstream. Trying to stop yourself and stop the flow is what can actually get you injured if you reach out and try to hold on to a branch sticking out on the bank of the stream. That's when you might get injured and you'd be pummeled by the water as it flowed over you. So let's think about it. There is a certain flow to energy in the universe, to water, and to life itself. And it's a flow that we may not always understand or always be aware of. But that flow is essential for us to recognize and be willing to align with if we want to move forward in our lives, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to evolve to become our best selves. 
The issue with entering into the flow and accepting the flow is that it is unknown to us. We often cannot see where it's headed or where it might be taking us. So it creates a lot of fear. And that's why the ego steps in and tries to take over. Because the ego does not like uncertainty. The ego wants to create as much control and as much certainty as possible in life. So this is why we have a lot of work to do at trying to train our ego and reassure our ego in the first place that we're going to be okay if we go with the flow and allow our lives to move in an uncertain direction, that we don't really necessarily need the ego to step up to try to take control or to try to stop uncertain things from happening. So Eckhart Tolle wrote, sometimes surrender means giving up trying to understand and becoming comfortable with not knowing. And I think on the spiritual path, that can often be a pitfall because we would like to understand everything that's happening to us and that we're experiencing. We would like to have answers and we would like to have certainty about where we're headed. And the spiritual path actually requires that we, as he said, become comfortable with not knowing. And that's something very hard for the ego to do, as I was saying. But Deepak Chopra goes even further when he says, surrender is faith that the power of love can accomplish anything, even when you cannot foresee the outcome. So here's what we're really doing in this process as we're training the ego, we're helping the ego gradually become comfortable with more and more uncertainty, helping the ego recognize that this idea of control over life and the world and everything around me, that's actually an illusion. It's not even true. It's not even possible. And that the ego in many ways leads us into difficult situations by trying to take too much control. So this is some of the lesson that we're trying to teach the ego here. You're not in control. That control is an illusion, and it's actually okay that you're not in control. We're going to be all right. We don't have to have all the answers. The future doesn't have to be certain. We don't have to be able to predict it or foresee it or control it. It's okay if we proceed one step at a time and accept whatever comes our way and whatever happens next. And Deepak reminds us, it's faith that there is this power of love in the universe, in this world, on this planet, in our own lives, that can actually accomplish the good and can help us move toward what is good, that can help create a more positive arc of life for us. And when we have that faith, we are able to rest in it a little bit and take some chances and step forward even when we don't know where we're going or why and even have resilience and coping skills for the times when we take a step forward and it doesn't turn out the way we were hoping to. We can tolerate some disappointments because we still have faith that somehow love is here, love is in the midst of all of this and What I thought might happen didn't happen, but I'm not going to give up. That's where the holding on happens a little bit, holding on to that faith and trusting 
I can take the next step. I can proceed. I can relax a little bit and move forward and allow this flow to carry me wherever it wants to take me because I believe that there's goodness in the universe. I believe that there's love. I believe that there's a positivity. I believe that ultimately we're moving towards something more positive and I accept that. I have faith in that and I surrender to that. So that's the essence of of what we're trying to learn here about this idea of surrender and helping the ego to gradually let go of control. As you start to work on this lesson, you will find that there are a million different ways that your ego steps in to try to control things around you, things that you might never have even thought about, but you may begin to recognize once you see them happening with your own eyes. And you know, you might even find out your ego wants to control uh, stoplights as you're driving down the road. Your ego thinks that it should be able to make the light turn green and that you deserve for the light to be green instead of red. You deserve to not have to stop. So you might find your ego getting frustrated and disliking it when things just don't turn out the way the ego wants it to be. And the more you pay attention to it, the more you'll recognize these thoughts that come up, little frustrations, little irritations with life and the way things are going. And that's usually your ego just protesting because it doesn't have control and it can't make things happen the way it wants to. But every time you recognize it, it's a really important learning experience for your ego to be able to talk yourself through that. Like, it's okay. It didn't work the way I wanted it to this time, but that's okay. That's all right. We're moving forward. Something new is going to happen. Something different will happen now. And it's okay. We're going with it. We're going to go with the flow here and see what happens. And even maybe even conjure up this idea of surfing like it's okay we're going to stay in balance on top of the board we're not threatened by a wave that shifted we can we can keep our balance and stay on top of that and keep going it'll be all right and so you're actually training your ego to do the things that that you need help with you're training your ego to have resilience to keep trying to come back again to be looking for ways to be in balance and to be looking for ways to cope better with the disappointments that come in life so here's another quote I love from Shunryu Suzuki Roshi, and it's a question, how much ego do you need? And his answer is, just enough so that you don't step in front of a bus. Now, I love that because I think it's great to give the ego assignments, and those assignments can be, hey, I'm going through life here one step at a time, keep watching out and just remind me when there are certain things I need to do to stay safe, pay attention when the bus is coming down the road, and make sure I notice it, make sure I see that. So you see, we do need a strong ego and we do need the ego's protective instincts because it can keep us going and it can keep us healthier and safer along the way as long as we've taught the ego that it can't control things, but it can be aware of everything and it can help us step forward with strength and confidence in the world. 
So in no way are we trying to get rid of the ego or kill the ego. We are only trying to educate the ego and bring it into alignment with higher guidance and the higher self and teaching the ego how to surf a little bit and how to enjoy surfing. It's a very long process, though, I will tell you that. And as I said, there are a million ways in which the ego will act up and speak out in every single day, in everything that you try to do. It's just the more aware you become of the ego's desire to control things, the more you can keep working on this lesson and keep training your own ego. And again, it's, this isn't easy. And it's probably a, it's a lifetime process, if not a, the process of many lives, to work on this idea of control and to gradually work toward surrender and letting go. But the amazing thing is that you will find yourself relaxing and actually, as Thich Nhat Hanh said, finding peace and finding joy the more you are able to work toward letting go of some of that desire to control. So you'll be aware of it in your own conscious mind of just because of the thoughts that you have, the thoughts that come up to you every day in, in the activities that you engage in and just how much you're annoyed that you can't control things and you can't make things turn out the way you want it to. So it will be a, a constant process of learning how to surrender a little bit here. And maybe there are times when you actually need to engage more or you need to hold on more or show up more or be more resilient um, rather than letting go in the moment. And I'm saying that because one of the spiritual pitfalls that I have seen is that some people in believing that they are surrendering actually do become apathetic and stop trying a little bit and give up on things. And that's not what we want, as we talked about. That's going to the dark side, the opposite side of of surrender in a way. And so what we're trying to find is that very tricky balance of just the right amount of engagement with the right amount of letting go. And one um, one example that I've always cherished is from the book Grace and Grit from Treya Wilbur as she was facing her own death and going through cancer treatment from breast cancer. And she talked about developing passionate equanimity in her treatment. And so what she meant by that is while she was working on her spiritual ability to simply let go and accept whatever happened, whether her treatment was successful or not, and that's the equanimity part of this um of this duality here is is learning how to accept whatever comes whatever happens always being on an even keel and being in balance with it and yet at the same time being passionate about life so being willing to let life go if that's what the outcome is and being passionate about living life fully in each and every moment. So what that meant for Treya is that she did get treatment for her cancer 
and she was compliant with all kinds of treatments that were offered to her uh, because they felt right to her to do. And so her passion for life led her to pursue various treatments along the way, whatever seemed like the right thing for her to do, and also to engage with life and love life in every moment and to pursue love in her life, but at the same time to have equanimity knowing um, none of this may work out for me. None of this may end up curing my cancer. I may end up dying, and that's okay. And so while she was living life fully, she was actually preparing for her own death at the same time. So that's the amazing part of this paradox of control and surrender, that we can be in such a place of balance that we can be like Treya, we can be passionately engaged in everything we're doing, every moment of life, giving it our all, participating fully in everything we're doing, and yet not attaching to the outcome of any of it, and not trying to control any of it, just giving our very best to everything we have in life, Allowing it to flow, whatever happens, whichever way it goes, is okay. I will accept any outcome that comes. And then also living with the uncertainty and the unknowing of what may happen next. Something I have found guidance in ever since I was in college is um, a verse by Rainer Maria Rilke, which I don't have in front of me right now, so I'll paraphrase it to the best of my ability. But this is from Letters to a Young Poet, where he writes, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart or in your life. And he advises us to be patient with all the many questions we have about life and where is it headed and how is this going to turn out. And he reminds us that we couldn't live the answers right now, even if we had them. The answers to the questions we have might be beyond us. It's not something we could even live with or even do anything with. And that's one of the reasons we don't have those answers right now. So his advice is to learn how to live the questions and live them fully. And that has always been so powerful for me. Even back in college, I remember finding so much comfort in this idea that I don't know how life will turn out. I don't know what I'll end up doing. I don't know where I'll end up going or who I will be one day. But I can just live with the questions and I can learn to love the questions and I can learn to love not knowing what's going to happen next. So that's the point we're at here as we talk about giving up control and learning how to surrender is just learning how to love the fact that we don't know that we don't have all the answers. I wanted to recommend a couple of practices that I have found helpful that you might might find valuable as well. One I call the bridge meditation, which is simply, I mean, I happen to be fortunate enough to live near water. And so and I think I might have talked about this last week too, actually. But so I find a bridge wherever I can over water. Um, but it doesn't have to be water. It could be a bridge over traffic, I guess, <laughs> uh, a highway bridge or something. <clears throat> 
But anyway, I stand facing downstream initially. And as I watch the water or the traffic, let's say, flowing away from me, I imagine that I'm letting go and releasing everything that I've been holding on to, particularly things that don't really serve me beliefs or ideas or the thoughts in my head or habits or practices, things that are not really helping me or serving me right now. I focus on letting them go and I watch them flow away from me with the stream of the water. I um, visually imagine dropping them into the water and letting them be carried away from me downstream. And when I'm done with that, I turn around and face upstream and then I feel the fresh, clean water rushing toward me and over me. And I imagine that, first of all, that it's just washing me clean of everything that I just released and let go of, but also that it's bringing new things into my life. And I acknowledge that I'm willing to receive it, even though I don't know what the new things are. I don't know exactly what might come next. I'm willing to receive whatever is coming my way, um, the abundance and the beauty and the flow and whatever that might bring me, because it might actually bring me some more challenges and some difficulties, but I'm willing to receive that as well. So that's the little bridge meditation that I like to do. Another meditation for surrendering and letting go is simply I gather um, flowers or leaves or sticks and drop them into the water, into the stream and watch them flow away. So it's actually a tangible act of dropping something into the water and seeing it flow downstream. And that can be very lovely. I sort of imbue those physical objects with whatever it is that I'm feeling I need to release so that those those objects I drop in the water actually contain the energy of what it is that needs to be released from me. And then uh, a third practice that I've used, I call it the serenity practice, but it's actually based on the serenity prayer by Reinhold Niebuhr um, that has been used in AA. And so it says, God, give us the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. So think about that, the grace to accept what can't be changed, and courage to change things that can and should be changed. And I use this when I'm journaling sometimes, if I make a list sometimes of the things that I'm upset about that are bothering me right now, and I go through and label them, is this something... I can change? Am I able to do something about this? And I circle things that I that I actually could change. I could do it differently or I could do take some sort of action that would bring about a change. But for all the things that I cannot change, those go on a different list of things that I have to learn to accept. And I have to have the grace to say, it's okay. This is all right. I may not like this, but this is the way it is and I can't change it right now. So I'm going to gracefully stop wishing it would change or putting energy into trying to change it. I'm going to let that go and I will focus my time and energy and attention on these circled items that I can change if I put my mind to it and if I put my effort toward it. 
that practice is really helpful to to help us sort through all the issues that are bothering us and even to reveal where is the ego attached? What is the ego trying to control in our lives? And it gives us kind of a rational way of confronting the ego and saying, look, this will never work. You are not going to control the weather tomorrow, no matter what you try. So let go of that. But here's what you can control. You can control bringing along extra layers to make sure you're prepared no matter what the weather is like tomorrow. So it's a really good training exercise for the ego. It helps you recognize these attachments of the ego and where it's trying to take control and then helps you creatively find ways of saying, this is what we're letting go of and this is what we're going to work work on in greater detail and put our energy toward. So I really like using this serenity prayer in meditation and in journaling. And as I said, it's a tangible, rational practice that you can use to help you work on teaching the ego you are not in control. So I hope you find these lessons for the ego helpful. It's a really important part of our spiritual path to keep working on the ego, but approaching the ego always with love and remembering, hey, the ego is going to keep you from stepping in front of that bus accidentally. So let's nourish and nurture the ego in the right way. And as we take some of the power and control away from the ego and ask it to align with higher self, let's remember that the ego is also essential and a beautiful part of ourselves that we can be grateful for. So tune in next week. We'll have lesson number five in this series next week. And until then, remember that we're here for love. Love is really the most important thing. That's the thing that we can trust and have faith in in our lives. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life brings you next, and love each and every moment of your precious life. Bye-bye.